0: 2 Cents Podcast, episode 59, which is entitled, Choices Part 2. I'm your host, G2, and before I get into the topics today, let me read you all the national food days of the week. Today, January 30th, is Croissant Day. January 31st, tomorrow, there's nothing for that. Um, February 1st, Baked Alaska Day, also Dark Chocolate Day. February the 2nd, Tater Tot Day, and that will also be Groundhog Day. February 3rd. Carrot cake day, February 4th, homemade soup day, as well as stuffed mushroom day, and then February 5th, which will be a Saturday, World Nutella Day, and also frozen yogurt day. And sticking on with the whole food thing, I just want to bring you guys up to this because this hit me this week. Um, little Debbie decided that they're going to be now throwing out ice cream, they're turning some of our favorite uh snack cakes into ice creams, and I have the list right here of the seven. Uh, snack cakes that they will be turning into ice cream. They're turning oatmeal cream pie into a, a vanilla ice cream with soft oatmeal cookie pieces in, in it with a hint of molasses. Cosmic brownie, brownie batter, ice cream filled with many rainbow chips and brownie pieces. Zebra cakes, white Cake ice cream with yellow cake pieces and milk chocolate fudge swirl. Honey buns. It'll be a honey bun flavored ice cream with glazed honey bun pieces inside it as well with sweet cinnamon swirl. Strawberry shortcake rolls. there will be a white cake ice cream with yellow cake pieces and a tart strawberry swirl. Swiss rolls. chocolatey cake batter. Well, chocolatey cake ice cream with chocolate uh, cake pieces and a swirl of whipped cream. And finally, nutty butter. Well, nutty bars. Uh, Peanut butter ice cream swirled with chocolatey wafered cone pieces and a thick fudge swirl. They will be coming out February 1st, so I believe that's in two more days, and they'll be hitting your Walmarts, and they should be costing around $2.50. To be honest with you, out of all these that i read, I'm leaning more into honey buns because I like honey buns a lot, but I'm not sure how that's going to work with the whole honey bun uh, pieces inside of it because... Think about it, it as a bread and then you got the ice cream and it's supposed to be, it's going to be soft when it goes into it and it's, and it's going to freeze. I'm not sure how that's going to work. The most one that's probably going to work in my best estimation is probably either the Swiss roll or the strawberry shortcake rolls because those are easy for you to easily uh mess with, but I'm just more in favor of honey buns as the snack out of all of these uh little Debbie cakes. But anyway, that is the food uh portion of the podcast out of the way. The reason why I titled this episode Choices Part 2 is because um, I have Choices Episode 42 and in that I talked about Alex Murdoch's situation, I talked about um, New York doctors and nurses being required to take the vaccines to make sure that they still are required to do their jobs, Uh, and a variety of other things, but the reason why I did this this time is because we're still sticking with certain things that are choices that we have to make in human, as a human. We have these choices, and it's all up to us to make the right call for us. And let me just start this off right here with the first topic. I'm going over to Boston Hospital. Not me personally, but um, this is the thing that caught my eye. And this is coming from ABC News. It reads, Boston Hospital denies heart transplant to man who hasn't gotten COVID vaccine As the article reads, the family of a Boston man is speaking out after they say their 31-year-old son was struck with a waitlist for a heart transplant because he was not vaccinated against COVID-19. DJ Ferguson, who was diagnosed with arrhythmia four years ago, was admitted to Brigham and Women's Hospital after suffering heart failure this winter, his parents told ABC News. But after reviewing Ferguson's medical history, which showed he had not received a coronavirus shot, hospital staff told Ferguson that his vaccination status made him ineligible for a new heart, according to his parents. Tracy and David Ferguson ins- insisted their son does not oppose vaccines. He's just worries the COVID-19 shot will complicate his heart condition, they said. He's not an anti-vaxxer. He's had all his vaccines, and he's an informed patient who's concerned because of his current cardiac crisis, Tracy Ferguson said. However, doctors say the risk of severe illness and inflammation of the heart from contact, well, contracting COVID-19 is much more likely than the low risk of heart inflammation from the vaccine, which is usually, tip, usually temporarily. Uh, national transplant associations recommend the COVID-19 vaccine before transplants, as do many medical centers, because after a transplant, the patient's immune system can become compromised from the medicines, necessary to keep the organ and the patient alive, making the individual at risk for severe illness and death if they become uh, infected with COVID-19. Now, Brigham Hospital was able to talk to uh, ABC, and they did defend themselves because they did write about it. Well, ABC News did. And the title reads, Hospital patient without COVID-19 shot denied heart transplant. A Boston hospital is defending itself after a man's family claimed he was denied a heart a new heart for refusing to be vaccinated against COVID 19. As the article reads, a Boston hospital is defending itself after the man's family claimed he was denied a new heart for refusing to be vaccinated against COVID 19. Saying more, transplant programs around the country set similar requirements to improve patients' chances of survival. The family of DJ Ferguson said in a crowdfunding. Appeal this week that the officials at Brigham and Women's Hospital told a 31-year-old father or two that he was ineligible for the procedure because he hasn't been vaccinated against the coronavirus. We are literally in a corner right now. This is extremely time-sensitive, the family said in its fundraising appeal, which has raised tens of thousands of dollars. This is not just a political issue. People need to have a choice. DJ's mother, Tracy Ferguson insists that her son isn't against vaccines, noting he's had other immunizations in the past, but the trained nurse said Wednesday that he's been diagnosed with atrial fibrillation an irregular and often heart rapid heart rhythm that he has concerns about the side effects of the COVID-19 vaccine. DJ is an, is an informed patient, Tracy Ferguson said in a brief interview at her home in Midden, about 30 miles southwest of Boston. He just wants to be assured by his doctors that his condition would not be worse or fatal with his COVID vaccine. Brigham and Women's Hospital declined to comment on D.J. Ferguson's case, citing patient privacy laws, but it did point to a response that is posted on his website in which it said the COVID-19 vaccine is one of the several immunizations required by the U.S. By most U.S. transplant programs, including a flu shot and hepatitis B vaccines. The hospital said research has shown that transplant recipients are at higher risk than non transplant patients of dying from COVID 19, and that its policies are in line with the recommendations of the American Society of Transplantation and other health organizations. Patients also must meet Other health and lifestyle criteria to receive donated organs, and it's unknown if DJ Ferguson did or would have met them. Okay, so I just want to make sure I got this right. So we're putting this man on a wait list, but we're saying that he has to have the shot first before he can do it. Okay, you guys stated that out on the website. Fine. So my deal if I was DJ Ferguson and his family, yo, he already needs a heart. You guys know what he has to do. And Get that one thing out the way. Matter of fact, I will ask them, okay, what's the criterias? Because as I just read, they said there's a whole thing of criteria that they have to meet, and they're not even knowing if DJ Ferguson would have even met them. I to ask, okay, what's the criteria so my son can get this heart transplant? We already know COVID, uh, getting the COVID shot, well, the vaccine shot, is one of the things that you have to do. Okay, cool, get that. Do you don't, do you, Got to make sure if he smokes, if he smoked, will his body take it? Do you got to know if uh, his heart is bad, like brutally bad? The organs around the heart are brutally bad? What other information do you got to know? I would think as the hospital staff should have done, they should have informed the parents, your son has this, 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 this. Or your son doesn't meet this, 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 this. So we can't give him a heart. So this allows the parents to do what they're doing now, to go and try to see who can give his, well, their son a heart. What hospital around the country can have a heart either be flown to him to be transplanted in him, or... He could be flown over there so they can transplant their heart in him. That's one thing that should have been done. I believe this on the hospital's part. Now, I'm not sure because they don't say that the hospital gave the parents, a, oh, this is what's going down. Your son doesn't meet these criterias. Well, they did say about the COVID one, but all the other ones, they're not. They didn't say it. I was going through the article and I didn't see it at all. None of that whole thing listed for it. So that's the hospital's choice for not... Wanting to give them the recommend, well, is the hospital's choice, technically, for not telling them what he's not meeting. Except for the COVID-19 shot. And if they did, it's not being publicized out here. So, that's why I want to just state that. So, if they did, I would have wished they would have put that in the news article to tell them, okay, your child doesn't meet this, he doesn't meet that, except just... COVID 19 vaccine, he doesn't, he's not, he, he doesn't have that. I would think that as a hospital, yes, you do you they say they declined saying something, but they did show off and showcase AO this is what we have on our website, and this is what it is. Cool. I would want to say give ABC the recommendations for what it is for people to make the list of here's the criteria for getting an organ or getting some type of limb from somebody here's the things that you have to meet here's or the prerequisites that you have to do just like in college before you even get into a certain class there are prerequisites that you actually have to have met because if you don't guess what you can't get into that class that's already written out in stone i wish that the hospital would have did that and told the parents that and gave that list to the ABC people in ABC so everybody else will know, okay, in the future, I got to have this done, that done, that done, that done. So just in case I do need a kidney, a new heart, uh, other type of body part to be that's going to fall off me or that has the ability to fall off me, um, I have met all those prerequisites and I can get it done. And I might be on a wait list, but I meet everything. So there's nobody going to tell me, hey, by the way, you can't, we we don't have nothing for you. We don't have the situation for you. That, see, see, that's my whole thing. Don't put somebody on a wait list and you know that they're not, they don't meet what you want. Tell them, nah, you don't, you don't meet it. You don't meet what we need. Or you don't have, or you don't, you haven't done what we needed you to do. Plain and simple. DJ Ferguson hasn't gotten the COVID shot. Parents can give him the shot. I understand he wants to be an informed person. He's worried about the side effects after the fact. I get it. I truly do. But your kid needs a heart, he's a grown man. But as a parent, you're still going to look at your child as your child, whether they are 42, your kids are 42 and you're 85. You're still looking at them as your child. It doesn't matter. That's your kid. So I would have talked to him and said, hey, you got to get this shot so you can at least get one leg up and say, "Okay, he got the shot. Now what? What, 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 what's up for you all to be trying to take away from my son now? He's gotten the shot. He did what you wanted. Bang. Get it done. Get the heart transplant done in him. See, that's my thing. This is the choice that people are deciding to make. You need to have these open-ended conversations with people. Hospitals need to do that with their patients instead of not doing that with their patients and playing these lollygag games. I wonder how many people are on a wait list and they don't meet the requirements to literally be on that wait list. Like, literally. Somebody could be on a wait list for a kidney they might not got the COVID-19 shot and they get close to it at the time and you get hit with, yay, it's time for me to get my this new kidney. Somebody finally, okay, cool. They do it in a whole oh, way. This person doesn't have blood A or type, whatever the case may be. And nope, we can't do the kidney, kidney transplant. Hold on, why not? Because you don't meet this. You guys didn't tell me this earlier. Hospitals need to tell the patients what's going on. Hospitals need to tell the patients, hey, you need to meet this so we can get this done for you, so we can get you out of here, so you can start living a life. Because whether people like to admit it or not, and this is going down to even certain individuals, hospitals play games. Hospital play games with a lot of people. They keep you in certain rooms, and they keep you just in there. They'll wait, They'll have you wait an hour or something, just whenever you get called back into the freaking, just to get meet with a doctor. That is ridiculous. People might say, well, patients are overcrowded in this COVID-19 whole situation. Listen, I get that, but I guarantee you there's a clock rotation that I can guarantee you that a doctor can understand, like, all right, I'll meet with this patient for 10 minutes, go to that patient for 10 minutes. Okay, this patient I need to spend more time with, so 20 minutes. And I guarantee there's probably even more than one doctor at a post for a certain situation. But hospitals like to play games, and this is just one thing right here. You're playing a game with this man's life. Tell him the prerequisites of what he has to make so he can get out of here. So, you guys can give him the heart that he needs. Don't play games with somebody. This man's life is on the line. Stop playing around. And DJ Ferguson, if you happen to hear this, or your parents happen to hear this, just be known. Lay, listen. You gotta get the shot, bro. You gotta get it. You want a new heart? You gotta get the shot. Do it. Because if this is telling... Because if it's true that a whole lot of hospitals are making that a prerequisite as well that you need to get the COVID-19 shot before you even get a heart transplant or any type of transplant, dog, listen. You got to do it. It's, it's part of the thing. It's part of the prerequisite. Just hurry up and take that flu sh- Not flu shot, but COVID shot and get it done. I'm a person that's hesitant on this whole vaccine shot myself, but if my life was in danger to the fact that, yo... Here's the facts. You need a new kidney. Yo, we need you to take that shot. And I'm facing either literal death in the face or getting just a shot. I got no choice but to do the shot. I have no other choice because you want to continue living because you don't know what's on the other end of that light, if you will. So, DJ Ferguson, this is not for me to criticize you. I'm not criticizing you at all. I'm just telling you. Please take the shot. Please take the shot if that's what they need you to do for you to get this heart transplant, please take it. They're probably going to say, hey, now we got to have you wait a couple days or a week to see how the COVID-19, not the COVID-19, but the vaccine uh, affects your body now. Fine. You waited this long, you're going to have to wait a little bit longer. Please take the shot. If that's what they're telling you, the hospital's telling you this, I will suggest you do it. I'm suggesting you do it. I'm not saying you're going to. I would suggest you to take the shot. But, again, that's just my two cents on this matter. Hospital, stop playing around with people. Stop playing around. Seriously. Now onto another topic I want to talk about, and this is coming from Insider, as Insider has boldly put it. Defense attorney for one of the three Minneapolis officers charged in George Floyd's death said Chauvin called all of the shots in the fatal police encounter. Now, before I get into the whole uh, article here, I didn't know it was time for them to... uh, Their trial, I didn't know their trial started this week. It didn't ring off on my phone, which again, Apple, you need to get it right. Please get this right. I'm tired of always finding out on the internet like this about a trial that's big that needs to be publicized more or something tragic happens that needs to be publicized more. I'm tired of finding out on the internet, on my website, where I have a literal... Internet on my phone. I have literally the internet. Apple, the iPhone itself, is literally the internet in your hand. It's a phone, but it's literally a small computer in your hand that can call and give you video chats. Apple, fix that. Seriously. Things of this magnitude need to be publicized on everybody's phone because the George Floyd case is a big case. George Floyd death was a big thing over that whole situation in 2020. Yo, we need to... Start getting things right, Apple. Seriously. Anyway, now getting on with the uh, article. As it reads, a defense attorney during the trial of the former Minneapolis police officers charged in connection to George Floyd's death said a convicted felon and fellow former officer Derek Chauvin called all the shots in Floyd's arrest, the Associated Press reported. Three former officers, Thomas Lane Tu Tao and J. Alexander Quang faced civil rights charges of depraving Floyd of his constitutional rights during the fatal police encounter inf- on May 25th, 2020. The trial began on Monday, January 24th. Tal and Quang are also being charged with failing to intervene in the use of unreasonable force. The three officers pleaded not guilty, obviously. During opening statements, Prosecutor Samantha Trepeel accused the three men of standing by as Chauvin slowly killed George Floyd right in front of them. They choose not to protect George Floyd, the man they handcuffed and placed in their custody, Triple, well, Tree Pill, continued. A defense attorney representing Quang claimed Chauvin called all the shots during their arrest as he was the senior officer at the scene, adding that Chauvin served as his client's field training officer and had considerable sway over his future. You'll see in here Officer Chauvin calling all the shots attorney Tom Plunkett said, also saying there was a lack of training at the Minneapolis Police Department specifically on to intervene against unreasonable use of force. A representative for the Minneapolis Police Department did not immediately respond to insider's request for comment. See, again, this right here, what are are, are we going to do here? Seriously, what are we going to do? We all know these men are going to be found guilty. This is just a legit civil waste of time for everybody. They're all culpable in the death of George Floyd. It's not that hard to understand. We are just basically here trying to figure out, are these men going to try to make a plea deal or something? Are these men going to get lesser time? What what are they going to get? That's all we're here for. We know that we know Derek Chauvin was found guilty of second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and manslaughter in the murder of Floyd. And he was sentenced to 22 and a half years in prison. We get that. Okay, cool. We're just trying to figure out here, what are all three men going to be getting? Literally, wh- what are they getting? Apparently, also in the article, as it uh, reads all the way at the end, the three men also had the trial in June for state charges relating to uh, Floyd's killing as well, including aiding and abetting second-degree murder and aiding and abetting second-degree manslaughter. The three have pleaded not guilty to that one as well obviously, what are you going to say? Yeah, I'm guilty, Your Honor. I'm guilty, Your Honor. That will be too right for a lot of people to be doing. But in their hearts, they might say, we did not do nothing. We didn't do nothing. Again, ladies and gentlemen, it's just like whenever you are in the car and somebody happens to go into a store, start shooting in the store, and they get in the car and they tell you to drive. You are now editing and abetting that person. Even though you had no idea what was going to happen, guess what? You have now aided and embedding somebody shooting in a store. You're now helping them. You are now going to be charged with sh- that person shooting in the store. You better hope to God that somebody doesn't die in that store, because if somebody's died in the store, you're going to be charged with murder as well. See, that's my thing with this. It's simple math. It's common sense to understand. These three were a part of that. Whether they know it or not, and the video is going to show it all, because right now I'm not looking at the video to be honest with you all, but we all know every officer that was around Derek Chauvin, around that police like situation, the scene of the crime if you will, all of them are going to be hit with some type of time to be doing inside a jail cell. They're going to be hit with it. We're all just trying to figure out, okay, how long is it going to take for them? How long... Are they going to be sitting inside the jail cell? Are they going to be sitting 10 years, 15 years, maybe 8, possibly 13, 20? We're all now to spitballing numbers here. This is all nothing but a cat and mouse game with lawyers trying to figure out what's the reason about reasonable amount of time for all three of these men to be spending inside of a jail cell. Even though they weren't the ones who put their knee on George Floyd's neck. They are complicit because they were around Derek Chauvin when he did it. They were around him. They were in the scene of the crime. You guys are now being charged with aiding and abetting. It is what it is. I want to always bring it back to the line of if you are in a car with somebody and they do something in the store and they get back in the car and you start driving off, you are aiding and abetting and they're going to charge you with that crime. Always remember that. You got to know who the people that you're around You got to know what they're doing. You can't just be in a car with somebody and they're reckless and you know they're reckless and they do something inside a store or you might think they're going to do something reckless and they do something. You got to drive off and you got to call up and say, hey, yo, I knew nothing about this. I got out of there completely quick because I was not going to be charged with aiding and abetting. These three officers, they should have lawyered up immediately as soon as George Floyd started like not well. As soon as George Floyd was dead, they should start lawyering off rip and looked at the tape. Yo, we're going to do what we can. We're going to, you know, if you need us to say that we had no part of it, obviously do that. But we're here now. George Floyd's dead, period. George Floyd's dead is only going to be two years now. But he's been going on this planet for almost two years now. And there's nothing to like showcase for that. Well, except for George, like Derek Chauvin, like going to jail for it. But other than that, what is there really to, like, throw in there and say, yo, George Floyd, what, 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 no. The only thing to really showcase George Floyd's whole two years right now is Derek Chauvin going to prison last year. What we're now waiting on is what's going to happen with these three. That's all we're doing. This is not but a waiting game for me. And I'm going to be here waiting. I'm going to be waiting and looking at this case. A lot. Because you know what? I want to see all three of them do go to jail for it. I do. Because you were around it. You guys should have stopped it. You guys could have stopped it. But you guys were negligent. You guys were you guys were there. You guys were a part of the S.H.I.E.L.D. The same S.H.I.E.L.D. that I keep on making complaints about every time. If you're a part of the S.H.I.E.L.D., you have to know what you're doing. You are in a high stakes job. You are in a high Quality job. You guys could literally murder somebody and get away with it, but now that tide is starting to turn. The tide's turning, ladies and gentlemen. And before I get off cops for a minute, I just want to also talk about this for a minute. Here's another one. Uh, and this is from NBC News. Police release video showing nine officers fatally shot a man on Tennessee interstate. As the article reads, police relieve, released body camera footage of a standoff on a Tennessee interstate that ended Thursday when nine officers fired their guns, killing a man accusing of carrying a box cutter. The man, identified as Landon E. step 37, of Nashville, did not possess a gun but took out a cylindrical object from a pocket, prompting officers from three agencies to shoot him on Interstate 65. Metropolitan Nashville Police Department spokesperson Don Aaron said in a video introducing the body cam footage, Step was killed after he took a stance as if he had a firearm, Aaron said. NBC News does not know what preceded the release video, which was edited by police and showed body camera footage from two officers. Aaron said six officers with his department, two with the Tennessee Highway Patrol, and an off-duty officer with Mount Janet Police fired their weapons. The off-duty officer stopped to assist a state trooper and attempted to de-escalate the situation with Estep for about 30 minutes, according to the spokesperson. The incident began shortly before 2 p.m. when a state trooper saw Estep sitting on a guardrail on the shoulder of the freeway. The trooper reported that he stopped and approached Estep with the intent to give him a ride off the interstate, Aaron said. The trooper also said East Step carried a box cutter and Nashville police were called to assist, Aaron said. In the video, police identified an off-duty officer without naming him as the officer who mostly spoke directly to Estep. The off-duty officer reportedly pleaded with him that officers didn't want to hurt him and urged him to drop the knife and put his hands up, video showed. The officer also told Estep he would not be going to jail. Whatever you're worried about, we can fix it. Let's get you some help, though, the Mount Janet officer said. This is not the answer. You and I know it. You don't want to hurt me. I know you don't. I damn sure don't want to hurt you. Police released more than four minutes of interaction between the officers and East step from one officer's body camera. That footage from, was from Officer James Kidd's body camera, police said. Another vantage point Shows video from Officer Sean Williams, body camera police said. During moments in both videos, officers can be seen standing several feet away from East step with their guns drawn. At one point in footage from Kid's body camera, the Mount Janet officer says he has a family and children to go home to and is not wearing a vest. I want you to go home today. I don't want you to end up dead on the side of the interstate. Nobody wants that, the officer says. Shortly before the officers fire at Eastep, he appears to move towards officers. Then makes a quick movement with both hands. According to the footage, the Mount Janet officer is heard saying, "Landon, please, brother, don't do it! Don't do it! No, no, no!" Aaron said Thursday, "It wasn't clear why Eastep was on the interstate, given his very abrupt movement, kind of aiming something towards the officers to fire." Officers fired, he said. They did so in defense of themselves, not knowing what potential threat could have been in that right hand as it quickly emerged out of the pocket, Aaron said. No officers were injured during the incident. Obviously, obviously no officers were injured during the incident because you had nine of them. You basically had eight officers and one, one of them was off duty. Listen now. We have one guy literally dead for nothing, and he was probably not in his right frame of mind. This is the choices again. I just talked about how officers have this have this high stress job. They have this high situation job that they got to really make a choice right then and there. I believe they made the wrong choice. Obviously. And I mean, obviously, it's easy to tell that they made the wrong choice because a man is dead and he didn't have a freaking gun on him. He was just carrying a box cutter. Here's my thing with this that I think officers need to understand now. If you're able to look at the man, I think you would need to scope him out, look him up, head up to head down from his cap, if he's wearing a baseball cap, all the way to his feet. Examine his Freaking pants. It's something bulging out that is of a gun-shape resemblance. You guys are carrying a gun with you, literally almost 24-7, because you don't sleep with it. Some of you probably sleep with it like in the drawer, like in a gun next to your drawer, next to you, maybe. But you guys should know what the shape of a gun looks like if somebody has it in their pockets. Have it in their front pocket or back pocket. Now. Let me leave this some leeway here. If he was wearing a hoodie, I could say, okay, maybe you guys have something here. Maybe. But in the video that I'm seeing a still shot of this man, this man didn't have a hoodie. This man has some blue jeans. He looked like he had a long, like, sweatshirt and a cap. This guy had nothing that could hide a gun from the trained eyes. And I'm using that in quotes here, quotations of a police officer who should know what a gun is shaped like. This is the idiocrity that I see from police officers when they do this. He could have had a gun. Again, let me state this with you. You guys should know what the shape of a gun should look like. Did he pull it out of his front pants where he's having it over where the shirt or whatever it is, over the handle? No. He went to his back pockets. You guys could have easily, here's my deal with this. A lot of you, there was nine officers to one guy. A good, and he is always a good judgment call here. One of you could be held in a gun in your hand, while all eight of you could have just had your tasers out. Your taser guns. Don't act like you guys don't have a taser gun on you. You're police officers. You should. Here's the other thing. One officer could have shot him literally in the freaking leg or in the foot or something. If you were that worried, and you just said you don't want him to be killed on the side of the road, you don't want him to be dead on the side of the road. Something to that of that freaking thing that you said. Why on God's green are you telling me that you are having, obviously one of you, nine guns out? That's a lot of guns pointing at somebody. I just want to make that clear again. Nine guns pointing at you, that already sets off a red alarm, all right? You don't need to tell anybody this. I think anybody's able to tell you that nine always beats one. Nine always is going to beat one. So why is it that they had nine guys having their guns flat out flash on this one guy? It could have been straight up just an all nine with taser guns. One guy with the gun but shoot, aiming at his foot. Or aiming at his calf or leg. One of the two. Not all nine of you needed a gun pointing on him. So now here's the next thing I want to know. What are we going to do about this? Are we going to say that it was his fault? Or are we going to blame the officers? Me, I'm on the side of A.O. Officers got to take something for this. Officers got to do some desk duties. The Officers got to spend some days or a year in jail because they killed a man. They did kill a man. This is not a protection of public safety. This is not, this is one guy that was by himself on a guardrail. Yes, you wanted to save him. All due respect, you wanted to save him. I understand that, but somehow you didn't save him. You ended up killing him. You ended up taking his own life. This whole thing could have been easily avoided if all of you just would have had your taser guns out. Literally, all this whole thing could have been avoided. We could have just had it on the news. Ayo, local man got tased by nine officers on interstate, blah, blah, blah. Not man got shot by nine cops on Tennessee interstate. We we, we could have avoided this. This man still could be here on this earth. So I'm saying it right now. I think these officers had to eat this. I think they got to eat some type of situation. Something has to be done to this. And I want officers to understand. I am on the side of good officers. Let me state this again. Good officers are people that are able to call out the hypocrites. They're able to call out people that are not doing what they're literally supposed to do. They are not upholding to the honor of what the badge should be or what American society holds the badge up to. Not saying what black America holds society up to. Not saying what white America holds it up to. Not saying what Mexican society. No, 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 no. Or Asian or the... Americans, and so what I mean by Americans, I'm talking about the Native Americans, the people that were here before, everybody else, I'm talking about the idea what everybody sees the badge as, the badge is supposed to be something that you protect and you serve your community, you're supposed to stop the bad guys, you're supposed to catch the bad guys, you're supposed to stop all the wrongdoings around in your neighborhood, that's what the badge is supposed to be, that is exactly what it's supposed to be, this wasn't it. This was a legit poor excuse of people holding the badge. The off-duty cop, if you try to talk to him, I understand that. You do that. You do that all you will. All your other cops should have had your taser guns on hand, not your hands twitching and ready for the gun. And I think that's the real problem here. We're really going to be honest and dig down deep into the root. A lot of you officers are just willing to get trigger happy with your gun, having your hand ready to put your hand on the gun, and just so quick to just put your hand on it for what reason nobody's trying to be out here unloading a clip on an officer out here i mean certain people are let's not get me twisted but a good 90 percent of american population ain't trying to be out here gun slinging doing old western with police officers doing a whole texas hold them stand off with them and just when i when i move my eye I'm going to lift my gun up, and I'm going to pop you in your chest. No, none of them is ready to do all that. You understand? A lot of them are just regular civilians wanting to go home. They missed the light. Yeah, they probably took something in the store. They're regular individuals. They're not trying to shoot people. This man in this situation, he probably wanted to end his life. And he probably was sitting on the guardrail, probably trying to figure out a way how to do it. Or he was probably contemplating life, life decisions that he made in his past. We don't know what went on in this man's head because we don't, we will never be able to get that opportunity to ask him. There would never be no news conference asking him, hey, what was your, what were you going through in that moment? Or there would never be parents or individuals be able to talk to him and say, hey, what were you thinking going over that, going on the guardrail? Nobody. He's dead now. Because nine officers took their guns out and started loading up. I'm not going to say they all like shot mad rounds into him, but because it only says that nine officers fatally shot a man. It doesn't say they emptied the clip. They don't say they shot him multiple times. They just say nine officers shot him. So I'm only going to think they probably shot him once. I don't know. I haven't seen the video. I've seen it still on the thing. And I don't want to see the video because that's pretty disturbing. Just even reading the title. It's disturbing. I just would like to know officers, what make you guys so trigger-happy to put your hands on the gun in the sign of danger? If you're riding in a car, and there's two of you, yes, one person needs to have their hand on the gun if something's gonna go down, and one person needs to have their hand on their taser gun. Just in case, to make sure nothing's gonna go out of whack if something seems bizarre to you. Yes, sure, fine. One in one, then I can say, okay, one was for safety, one was for danger. Okay, I can give that, because my natural, normal mind can easily figure out okay cool but i'm never gonna understand two of you both having your hands on the on a gun ready to shoot somebody i'm not gonna do it my brain's not gonna do it it doesn't add up to me and having all nine guys just shoots a shoot a dude it just it doesn't make sense to me police officers do better seriously do better man this is not this ain't it I literally want police officers to do well. I do. As a black man, I want them to do well. Because you want to know why? When police officers do well, guess what? It sends a good message towards black people. Like, hey, we're taking they're taking one step to being in line in what they should be doing. And guess what? That means they're not going to be targeting us. They're not going to be looking towards us. AKA, we can move about our regularly day-to-day operations. We can do about our business. We can go and actually be able to finally start taking big Easy breaths in America, but apparently, until they start stop getting gun happy, putting their hands on the gun, I don't know where this is gonna leave us. I don't know where this leaves America. I don't know where this leaves police officers. I don't know. We're probably there's gonna be this probably gonna be one thing swept not even underneath the rug, but just like there, and we're gonna see it. And be like, oh, okay, that's just police doing police. I I want better, I do, but until we do. Uh this is what we're left with right here. Police being police. Here's my final topic of the day and this one is a downer ladies and gentlemen. This is more like a family like topic I want siblings, moms, dads, brothers. I want everybody to talk about your talk to each other. And it's, um a lot of people have been committing suicide lately. We've had and 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 more specifically, I'm talking more along the lines of Celebrity kids, okay? Um the guy who was in uh Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill and Reservoir Dogs, uh Michael Madison, well Madsen, his son committed suicide. He was uh twenty-six years old and he just got done completing his uh first tour in Afghanistan and he was stationed in Hawaii. It, uh, he's he died. We had Regina King's son, who also was 26, and he just, he, he lost his life, committed suicide, whatever you want to call it, a couple of days after his 26th birthday. We had, uh, I'm not even going to say, well, he's not a young guy, but the, a guy that was the voice of Charlie Brown, the guy that voiced Charlie Brown, he passed away, he took his own life this week. What are what's going on with suicide being the thing where everybody just wants to end their lives? Now, again, I want to preference this and say this is nothing but trigger warnings, and trigger warnings are the trigger warnings because you're gonna hear me say suicide, you're gonna hear me talk about it. I want to know, I want to try to get some type of information. This is me, a guy that's 25, going on 26. I'm trying to figure out what's going on in everybody's mindsets when they're going to commit suicide or they have these thoughts, they might be fleeting thoughts, or these might be thoughts that they have been thinking and like curating for a long period of time that they've been trying to figure out how they're going to do it. I want to know what is the deal with people committing suicide? It doesn't, what are we doing here? And before I really dive into this, I want to say I feel sorry for uh, Michael Madsen. I feel sorry for Regina King. I feel sorry for the original voice of Charlie Brown's whole family. I do. And I'm sorry for even having to keep on saying the original voice Charlie Brown. Let me get the man's name for you guys. His name was Peter Robinson. I feel sorry for the Peter Robinson's family. I just want to know what is going on and going through people's minds whenever they are contemplating suicide. Are they thinking my troubles are going to be over once I'm out of this life or I just can't be here anymore or um I have too many things going on and I just need a break. I want a final break. I just want to rest and just be done with it. What is going through everybody's mind when this type of thing happens? I I don't know what's going on. Again, I always want to preference things when I say, especially a heavy topic like this. I'm a 26-year-old guy i don't know the world that much i'm only human i only know what i do know and that is i'm a jack of all trades i know a little bit about everything all right but i don't know i don't know a lot of things when it comes down to the mental health situation i've always been a guy that was always i'm the preferable normal if you will I'm a guy who's happy when he's happy sad when he's sad mad when he's mad I might be a little bit more mad whenever it comes down to certain people, but again I believe that's on the quote unquote normal spectrum here uh I'm nervous when I'm nervous I don't have no bipolar I don't have multiple person multiple person uh personality disorder I don't have uh I don't have all these things that certain people might have. Which you could say, okay, that contributed to their suicide. They might contribute to why they thought this way or this and that. So I just want to preference it always with, I don't know what I'm talking about in this situation. I don't. I don't know what I'm talking about. This is why I want this to be an open conversation with parents, talking to their kids, and I want their kids to talk to their parents as well. I want friends to talk to friends. I want... uh. Co-workers to talk to co-workers about this thing. Yo, you guys need to talk to one another. We, as a society, we literally need to talk to one another and figure out what's going on deeply. We have these Instagrams and these Twitters where certain people just go on these things and they have a black screen and they start writing out their true feelings and they're talking about how I feel worthless, my friends make me feel worthless, my family make me feel worthless, or they have a bad day and they talk about it on that thing. They never, ever, they might not talk about it to their people. You have to go on their Instagram or Twitter, where they might have it up for an hour, and then they delete it. They might have it up for just a brief couple seconds, and then delete it, or they just might keep it up. Whoever the case, whatever the case may be, we don't know these things because everybody goes to social media with things. Everybody goes to social media to put their feelings out, and I get it. We do that because you don't know who you can talk to. You might get in line with somebody online who knows how you feel, and that might can at least be a voice for you to listen to, I understand that, that's cool that's fine, because shoot, I do that every episode at the end of the podcast, I always put my email out here, so people can email me and contact me, and do that exact same thing, be use my email and have me be your ear, have me be the person to to write to you, or talk to you, back and forth, just in case you are feeling bad, or you're in the dumps, or you want to just express something that you you can't express to anybody else, my email is always there, you can look at it in the freaking description as well, my email is there as well, but I understand why people do that, and they do that because they try to Throw it out there and if somebody feels that exact same way, hey, me and you feel the same and you can probably make that connection with each other. That's what the internet does for certain individuals. Certain people just use it to vent and certain people use it as, hey, I'm about to end my life. I just want to put that out there. da 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 And I just want to let you all know that. Certain people use that as a legit last resort tool to say, I'm about to be out of here. Peace out. I'm going. Here's my, here's my thing with all of this. I am always of the idea that I want people to have conversations and communicate with each other. Don't just hide and stuff it deep down in your stomach and not talk about it with each other. Because it doesn't do any good whenever that person is gone. Because now, let me just make this perfectly clear to anybody that's thinking about committing suicide right now. If you're thinking about that and thinking about, I'm going to be out of here. I'm leaving my family. They're going to be good without me. No, no, they're not. They're not going to be good without you because dude or gal, people have been here with you or mother, father, people need you on this planet. People need you. You People have, people are going to miss you when you're gone. That's the true nature of the facts. If you don't believe me, Regina King, her only son, he did this. I'm not going to say he did it, but he decided to transition out of here. And she would always take him to red carpet events, take him on uh, award ceremonies. She would always talk about how she had unconditional love for her son. She would That would be her legit creme de la creme. They even got matching tattoos with each other. They were the celebrity idealist of what a mother and a son should be. They were legitimately pop, pop, nose to nose, touchy, touchy. They were huggy. They were, they were the ones. If you want to look back at the time, because it's been archived now, because people were pulling up videos. People were pulling up photos of those two. Her always talking about him and him. They always would pan over to him. He would just be smiling about his mom, talking about him, seeing the glee that she was... So, me off, talking about her son. She is now missing her son, her only son. Her ace, boon coon. And I know how that feels to be somebody's ace. Because my siblings know this. And this is not me to try to take a shot to anybody. My siblings do listen to this as well. And they have said this already, so they know how this is. They feel that my mother and me are ace, boon coon. My mom calls me up if she has a problem. She calls me and me and her talk about it. I am the guy that gets relayed messages from her to tell them and them, vice versa. They tell me to relay messages from them to her. It is what it is. People are going to miss you. Your parents, your siblings, your friends, your associates, people at your job, people that don't even, that might not even tell you that you are important or that they look up to you. They're going to miss you and they're going to go to your wake and say, you know what? I really looked up to him or I looked up to her. They don't know this because I never told them this because I wasn't, I didn't know how to approach it or whatever the case may be. I need people to understand that you thinking that going out of this life and transitioning out of here, you taking your own life is going to end whatever pain you're in. Listen, it might end your pain, but you are leaving other people with pain, because they won't be able to see you, they won't be able to probably help you out in this pain that you're feeling see, and I know people are saying, Joe, that is so selfish, you need to care about yourself and I understand that, but if you have people that love you to death and you know they love you like that, you gotta suck it up, and I hate to say it like that, and I hate to sound so rude and crude, and people might say Joe, that is nasty, that's, listen hey You got to suck that up because guess what? They rely on you just like you rely on them. You need to tell them what's going on. You need to tell them how you're feeling. You need to tell them what's going through your head. You need to tell them this because guess what? Without communication, you have nothing. Without talking to somebody about it, guess what? You have nothing. You're only there sitting there with your dark thoughts in your head. That's all you have. You need to express that to somebody, whether it be a therapist, whether it be somebody online, you create a buddy-buddy system, whether you create a buddy-buddy system with your sibling, you create a buddy-buddy system with your mother or father, you create that system so that whenever you are in a gym, whenever you have that feeling that, yo, I have these dark thoughts again, you go and talk to them so they can easily get you out of that dark suppressive feeling so you can get back to being who you are. We don't need people to be transitioning out of here. It's not cool. It's not right. You're leaving a big old black hole for everybody that loves you and wants to see you every single day. You might be literally their shining light in that freaking time every time they see you. Every time they see you, they might see you and they might smile and you might not understand why they're smiling because they see something in you. They see the potential in you. They see something special in you that you might not see in yourself. You need to grasp that. That's why I say it It might sound selfish of me to say that, but it's true. You need to talk to people. You need to suck it up. You need to say what you have on your mind to people so they can hear what you're saying. So they can help you in that time of need. And let's just say they can't help you. Well, guess what? I guarantee you, say, hey, listen, I'm going through this. I'm in a deep, dark depression. Somebody might say, listen, I can't help you with that. Well, guess what? You go to somebody else and you tell them this. You're going to have to continuously go through this because guess what? Ending your life isn't the way to go. It isn't going to do the job. Sorry, it's not going to do it. Ending your life isn't going to do it. It's just going to remove you out of the picture and just cause a beat, deep, deep, black hole in other people's lives because now they don't have you in it so guess what you gotta do, you gotta talk to a therapist you gotta talk to somebody online that is just like you and hopefully you guys will be able to find that inner peace between each other and with that communication that you both have and just say you know what thank you for listening to me thank you, thank you for guiding me out of that depression, thank you for guiding me through my bipolar, thank you for just being there for whatever situation that you're in Thank you for helping me want to stay alive on this planet, for keeping me from ending it all. You need to have that conversation. You need to have that type of communication. You need to have that special person or special people or that special group in your life. Hell, go to an AA meeting. You're going to meet a whole lot of people that have a whole lot of problems. A lot of problems, whether it be alcoholics, whether it be uh, drug addicts, whether it be people that or. Uh, overweight and they have a food problem or uh sex addict or porn addiction, you're going to meet a lot of people in AA that have problems but guess what? You saying you're suicidal, I guarantee you, they're going to be there with you trying to help you from not being suicidal because guess what? They all have problems and guess what? They're all trying to kick whatever they have so guess what? They're going to try to help you and with you being in that AA group, guess what? You might relate to somebody in there I have these deep dark problems And they have that deep, dark problem that you have. And you might have that inner connection and be like, you know what? I could talk to you about this. And you can easily then start a chat. And you then can now find your purpose within yourself to live another day. Continue on about your day. Continue on being you until you are old. And then you go because of natural causes. That's the way I see it. I don't need people to be taking their lives out taking their lives no more, transitioning no more. I don't need that. I don't need for people to be doing that no more. I don't, because it's saddening for me to read it, it's saddening for me to see it, because every time I think of suicide, I think of the people that they are leaving behind here, that now have that big black hole in their hearts, because they'll never be able to see your face. The next time they'll see your face, literally, it's probably at a freaking wake, or a, mem- or a service of putting you in the ground, or putting you in the casket, seeing you, and then They put you into the ground and they won't be able to see your face never no more ever again. They're literally last images of you are alive, technically. Body shape form is in a casket. So please, mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, friends, associates, check up on your people. And I mean really check up on them. They might say, no, I'm good. No, break it down to them. No, how are you emotionally don't give me, I'm good. Give me details. Give me, hey, listen, I'm not the the bra- I'm not the, my best today. And then ask them, okay, why aren't you your best today? Why do you feel that way? Or thanks for telling me that. You know what? I don't feel the best way neither. Go about it in a way that you both can have a nice conversation so you both can get an idea of what each other are thinking and what each other's are probably feeling. Because guess what? That's what we need now. We need a lot more conversation like that instead of saying, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'm good. Because guess what? That I'm good is probably masking something that they are afraid to tell somebody. So, I want everybody to please send love, light to the King family. Send love, light to Michael Madsen's uh, family. Send love, light to Peter Robinson's family. Just send love, light to everybody, Lord. Send love, light to everybody so everybody can understand and everybody in that, those three households, and everybody else around the world too, by the way, send love and light to everybody because we all need it. Everybody needs it. Everybody's afraid to say it. I'm not afraid to say it. I need love and light on a daily to day basis because, man, it's hard being just out here in this world. It's hard being here. And I and I haven't even had real world like experiences to really be like, oh my God, you haven't went to war, Gerald. You haven't uh, dealt with real work yet, you haven't dealt with this, and you say it's hard, yeah, for me, it's hard, in my mind, and people might say, Joe, that's not hard yet, I know, not yet, but for me, right now, I'm dealing with something hard, I need people just to be sending love and light to everybody, so everybody can push through, and get through some dark path that you're in, so we can easily get into our purpose, and sometimes, guess what, we have to go through a whole lot of hell, before we can get to our purpose, and literally start living and really live the way they were supposed to live. And also. Again. I just want to re- re- reiterate this. Have a check in on your people. So. With that all being said. Let me give you guys my social media links. So we can get you out of here. Twitter. You can find me at, at my2podcast. Instagram. my 2 g 2 Email. For if you want to talk to me. Email me. Uh, my email is my two cents pod at yahoo.com. M Y two C N T t s p o d at yahoo.com. You can email me whether you are sad, depressed. You can email me if you're happy. You have an announcement. You don't know who to say it to. You can email me. I will be either your wall that i can just be the email that you sent it to and you can have that release or you can tell me hey i need you to reply to me back or we can have a conversation either way but let this be known that if you and me have this conversation it's never going to go anywhere because i am a- going to keep it between me and you it's never going to leak out to nobody else you always have my word on that um i want to thank apple podcast google podcast uh Podbeam, Amazon Music, and Audible. Uh, I wanna thank those five stations, those five podcasts, well, uh, channels, because again, without them, I wouldn't be able to do this. I wouldn't be able to just talk my talk and talk to you guys out here, and I really do appreciate them for just allowing me to be me. Um, I don't think I have anything else to say. So, with that all being said, always remember, i love you 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 i do love you all i want you all have the great sunday please have a blessed sunday please be safe out here these roads are still dangerous because people are out here i'm not sure if they know how to drive or not but people are out here please so also remember fellas It's about time, almost time for Valentine's Day. Please, for the love of God, I'm gonna be talking about it more next week because trust me, we're going down clockwork uh, to doomsday if you don't have your girl something for Valentine's Day or your guy in certain instances as well, ladies. Certain women, certain dudes want Valentine's gifts too, but I'll get more into that next week. Anyway, this has been my Two Cents Podcast presented by G2. He is I and I am him. And I want you all to have a blessed, and I mean a blessed week and a blessed Sunday. And with that all being said, Kanye, can you please take these people home? I'm tired, you tired, uh-huh. Jesus I- wept.